Bruce Friedman of Adult Site Broker, and welcome to Adult Site Broker Talk, where each week we interview one of the movers and shakers of the adult industry, and we give you a tip on buying and selling websites. This week, we'll be speaking with adult industry attorney, Michael Fatterosi. Adult Site Broker is proud to announce the launch of our new website at adultsitebroker.com. We've added some enhancements to the site, such as FAQs and a complete new platform. The look and feel of the new site are nice and up to date. The new site also has links to our marketplace and affiliate program. Plus, don't forget ASB Marketplace, the first platform where you can buy and sell adult sites and domains for free. ASB Marketplace allows buyers and sellers the chance to come together on properties that are valued below our company's minimum of $50,000. Don't pay for other marketplaces when ASB Marketplace gives you this service for free. Visit ASBMarketplace.com and sign up as a seller or as a buyer today. And of course, there's ASB Cash, the first affiliate program for an adult website brokerage where you can earn as much as 20% of our broker commission referring sellers and buyers to us at Adult Site Broker. Check out ASBCash.com for more details and to sign up. Now let's feature our property of the week that's for sale at Adult Site Broker. We're proud to offer for sale one of the most famous affiliate programs in the adult industry. They're a subscription-based dating, adult social network, and CAMS affiliate program with exclusive ownership of custom-developed websites and offers in straight, gay, hardcore, and mainstream niches. They've been a prominent and sustainable affiliate program for 18 years. The company has weathered countless industry changes and regulations and has always paid its affiliates well and on time. This includes the entire affiliate database with historical performance data, plus the email list with 6.4 million active addresses. The technical platform has recently been rewritten and is modular-based and built for scale. The entire system is hosted in the cloud, which allows for easy third-party integrations, scalability, and cost optimization. With a focus on billing optimization, traffic monetization, and risk mitigation, the business intelligence system and team have been designed to maximize lifetime value and build a sustainable and long-term stream of passive income. There's a full technical infrastructure, including billing load balancer, gateway integration, and call center tools with customer support and content moderation. This is a turnkey business that would allow anyone that is great at traffic acquisition to own the entire life cycle and lifetime value of the customer. It has the technical infrastructure, reputation, relationships, and systems and processes to massively scale revenue. All this for only $2.95 million U.S. million. Now time for this week's interview. My guest today on Adult Site Broker Talk is adult industry attorney Michael Fatterosi for a return visit. Michael, thanks for being with us again today on Adult Site Broker Talk. No, thanks for having me on again, Bruce. It's my pleasure. Now, the law offices of Michael W. Fatterosi were established in 2002. Michael originally set up in L.A. and now lives in, in the Netherlands. He represents various types of clients and adult entertainment. Depending on the issue, he can represent clients within all 50 states within the U.S., as well as in Canada, Europe, Australia, and the U.K. Over 90% of his clients are companies and personalities in the adult industry. Michael's also known on social media as Porn Law. He's been a licensed California attorney since 1997 and has been representing companies in the adult entertainment industry since 2003. He's a graduate of the American University in Washington, D.C. and Whittier Law School in L.A., where he was a member of the Law Review. He's been a seminar speaker at numerous adult industry events. Michael also has written articles for XBiz World and XBiz Video, Adult Store Buyer Magazine, and has been quoted on Fox News, CNBC, TMZ, The Hollywood Reporter, Playboy Magazine, The Daily Beast, The Daily Dot, Adult Site Broker Talk, and other various media outlets. He's been interviewed and appeared on KTLA-TV News in L.A., and he's been seen on reality TV shows My Bear Lady 2 on Fox Reality, as well as The Right Hand and Web Dreams on HBO and Showcase Canada. 
Lately, Michael has branched out into the export business. He exports wine, pasta sauce, pasta, olive oil, and marmalade to the U.S., and meats and hard cheeses in Europe. So, Michael, last time we discussed your food and wine manufacturing and export business. First, for those of our listeners who don't know what you're doing there, why don't you uh, tell them a little bit about it? Well, I mean, I you know, I moved here. I moved to Rotterdam in the Netherlands two years ago, and I set up an export business to export various Italian, you know, specialties and and uh, wines uh, directly to the United States out of Italy. And I've got my own pasta and pasta sauce and olive oil label. Uh, and I also uh, import into the Netherlands for distribution into restaurants and to somewhat you know, small private sales, but it's mostly restaurants. A lot of my products are um, carried by the largest Italian grocery store in Amsterdam. Mm. So if you ever go to Amsterdam, you can find my wine there right now. Nice. Um, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's not that I'm bored with the law, but it's sort of like, you know, I'm 52 and oh God. at 50, I decided that I was going to enter into the last phase of my life. And I wanted to do something in addition to being a lawyer, mm-hmm. something that I could enjoy during. Uh, I, I don't know if I'll ever be retired, but, you know, as I kind of slow down my practice, if if I can replace it with some other things, it would be interesting. And so now the plan is uh, in another year, I'm probably going to move to Florence, Italy and uh, wow. get an apartment in the city and then maybe buy a country house uh, outside Florence. That's sort of the plan right now. We're going to have to visit you, man. That sounds great. <laughs> I'm, in, I, I'm, 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 uh, I'm inviting myself. Well, if you're in Italy, come by. We, you know, we oh, we want to go back. We went in September of 2019 uh, up to the uh, uh, the wine growing region in the north. Piemonte. Yeah, God, I can never think of that. And oh mm-hmm. my God, what a week! Went there after the Prague show, and mm-hmm. uh, best vacation I've ever had. My first time in Italy, not my wife's first time. She had been there once before, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, God, I just I just had such an amazing time. Italy is such an amazing place. It really is. Yeah. If anybody, for those who are listening, it you know, it's a lot like California. It, mm. it really yeah. matches. It's about California in size. Mm-hmm. And it's also like California climate. So in northern Italy, you've got the mountains. It's cooler weather. Mm-hmm. You've got some wine growing like you do in California up in Napa. And then as you move further south, you get into more of the Mediterranean climate, the warmer weather, the beaches. And then when you get all the way down to the very end of the boot uh, in an area called Puglia, you have uh, white sandy beaches like you would find in Greece on Mykonos in those areas. Yeah. Oh, it's that's one of the hidden gems of Italy that nobody really knows about is the really southern beaches. They're just Mm. absolutely beautiful. First I've heard of it. First, I've heard yep. of it. Well, and as far as your wine and wine and food business, I mean, that's a big passion of yours, like it is of mine. It is. I mean, um, it's something that I grew up with my father doing. So my father would make his own wine mm-hmm. and would make his own pastas. We, mm. he, he would actually make the dough and make pasta. And then he would also, he he wouldn't grow his own olives. Uh, We didn't have like an olive orchard, but what he would do is whenever he made sauce, uh, he would start the sauce with a blend of olive oils and basil and oregano and black pepper and red pepper. You're making me (laughs) (laughs) And that was sort of the base to his sauce. So what I did is I took that and I turned it into a dipping sauce within a bottle. People love it. Okay. So, so Mike, uh, next question is, when am I going to get some of this stuff out here in Thailand? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've never shipped to um, Asia. I have no idea, even if I can ship to Asia, I have no idea how much it would cost me to ship to Asia. It's, it's, it is definitely expensive to ship this stuff. Yeah, that's, it is. It is. That's sort of the downside of having here, this business. Yeah. yeah. It, it, well, that's a downside of having the business because, you know, people want the products, but when, when you factor in the cost of shipping, you know, they don't want the products anymore. And that's the problem. It's mm-hmm. almost, it's only $100 to ship a box to the United States. How much? $100. Yeah. Yeah. I know. 
So, so when you add in the price on top of that of the products, you, you know, you're talking about a $200 purchase. So, yeah, and and here you got to add all the taxes in, and the government yep. here is absolutely criminal. Which one isn't? Yep. But this this yep. one more this more more than anything else. So, I guess mm-hmm. the business is going well. Eh, you know, right now I'm trying to decide what I want to do with it okay. because of the plan to move to Italy next summer. Um, you know, do I want to continue it? Because I'm also thinking uh, for a couple of years now, I wanted to get into the tour business in, mm. in Italy. And, you know, with COVID, I've not been able to do that. <laughs> I was going to ask you about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was, I was, I started this, I started the tour business in 2018. Oh, okay. That was sort of like a, a launch, but then we didn't really, we, we really didn't launch in 2019 and then it was summertime. So we didn't really get any booking. So 2020 was going to be the year. And then of course, you know, and then 2021, we thought about it. Then I was like, no, there's probably not going to be enough. And now I'm trying to decide if 2022 is the year. And, Mm -hmm. you know, with COVID, it's so difficult for people to travel. Like right now, uh, I was supposed to have a friend come visit me in the Netherlands and he had to back out because the Netherlands has imposed a 10 day quarantine on yep. any Americans arriving, whether they're vaccinated or not. Anybody, so, that, anybody that comes in here, it's 15. We had to go through it. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's ridiculous. And, and, we, so, and we're, and we're fully vaccinated. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, that's what the Netherlands said. They, they don't care if you're vaccinated or not. <laughs> you have to do a 10 day quarantine and two tests to get out of quarantine. Yep. Yep. You can do one at five days and get out, or you can do one at 10 days and get out. So it's really hard to try to plan a... Uh, not a good time in the world right now to be in any travel-related business, as far as I don't, I'm concerned. I don't think, I don't think that's going to change. No, I don't see... I don't either. I don't see COVID going away completely. No, I don't either. I don't either. I, uh, I, I think COVID's going to be here for years. and. Mm-hmm. And then what about the next pandemic? And if you if you read uh, epidemiologists and what they have to say, uh, this is just the the first and 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 probably not the worst. Well, I mean, it's not it's not the first, not the first, <laughs> but first of first of a string. They think is what I'm saying. I I don't think that's going to happen. I, I don't hope think not. That's I hope not. I mean, these things. It's what what the last one was a hundred years ago. So I mean, you know. Mm. Out if we'll have another one in five years or 10 years or 20 years, it may be 50, 60, 70 well, years. It will happen again. If certain parts of the world continue to have the kind of relationship that uh, they have with animals and um, eating <laughs> animals that shouldn't be eaten, okay, I'll say mm-hmm. it, China, um, mm-hmm. then the next pandemic is not far off. Uh, it's just, it's just, it's inevitable. No, I'm still not convinced that this came from an animal. I really think this came from a leak in a lab. Well, sure, but I, but it had to come from something originally. And well, yeah, and it so, came from and so yeah, from a bat, exactly, exactly. Okay, yeah. well, this is just, this is just too perfect of a virus to come from the wild. Yeah, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. Um, so a lot's obviously been happening in our industry lately. MasterCard once again changed the rules. So what's your take on that? Well, I mean, it's not something where they've changed the rules. What's happened, uh, and this has been happening with billing companies for years, is that, you know, we don't have governmental regulation. We don't have obscenity cases anymore, really. Mm -hmm. We don't have self-regulation. So almost vast majority of regulation of content in the United States is being done by the credit card processors. That's true. And, you know, they, they've done this for years now. I don't know if you remember years ago, there were, um, there were sites that specialized in uh, sleeping or sites that where they put girls under hypnosis and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. those were around for a little while. Like simulate, like simulated rape. Well, it wasn't really rape, but it was more lack of consent. Right. It was more okay. about. Yeah, <laughs> it, 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 you are an attorney. <laughs> well, I mean, listen, it's that. Well, that's the problem that the credit card company had. Yeah. That's yeah. why they, they didn't call it rape content. They called right. it lack of consent content because the viewer couldn't really determine that there was consent being made by 
the participants. And right. so the credit card company said, well, we're just not going to bill for that. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden went away. Right. And so, they, you know, they've been regulating content like this for years. Yep. So I don't really think what MasterCard is doing is, you know, all that new. I think what MasterCard is doing for the first time is they're basically imposing the 2257 rules. They're saying, you know, we're just going to make sure that everybody follow, follows 2257 to some degree. You know, it's not a perfect 2257, but they want to make sure that everybody has IDs, that everybody's age is checked, mm-hmm. and that there is consent and that mm-hmm. there are model releases. Sure. And so, you know, they're, they're, and, and that's kind of the problem with the platforms. You know, what happened was as Pornhub started and the tube site started and they moved outside the United States and basically thumbed their nose at the FBI. Yep. But the FBI, you know, I I was at a XBiz conference years ago. It's probably 13, 14, 15 years now. Hmm. And we had an FBI agent. And literally the FBI agent said, well, you know, if you're overseas, yeah, we could come inspect you, but we probably won't. Mm-hmm. And that was basically a green light for everybody to set up outside the United States. Right. And because the platforms were set up outside the United States or, and the tube sites, they didn't care about 2257 because they knew it would have never been enforced against them by the FBI or the Department of Justice. Right. So everybody that came after that, mm-hmm. you know, just said, oh, well, you know, we don't need to do this because Pornhub's not doing it. RedTube's not doing it. This right. company's not doing it. That. So why should we do it? Yeah. And that's what allowed all of this uploader, you know, user generated content to tube sites and to other sites to happen because nobody wants to give away or, you know, post their, their personal information to porn sites. They just don't. And so now with what happened with Pornhub, with the girls do porn and the allegations that there was uh, child abuse material found on their site. MasterCard just did the logical thing and said, well, you know what, we're just not going to process for you unless you regulate yourself. Huh. And and then and then nobody really regulated themselves. And then MasterCard goes, okay, well, since you won't regulate yourself, here are the new regulations from us. Mm-hmm. And that's where we are now. We're yeah. you know, one month away from regulation by MasterCard. And and part and part of the problem too is that we have content creators that are standing on the shoulders of giants and yep. they do not even realize it. Mm-hmm. They are out there creating content and, you know, luckily first amendment, but they don't realize that people went to jail so they could have the right to make $30,000 a month off of OnlyFans, yeah. And they don't care about the law. They don't, mm-hmm. they don't care. They don't care about two two. They, they don't even know what two two five seven is. They don't right. even know what a model release is half the times. Mm-hmm. And you know they think, oh well, the platform. This is what I'm paying my 20, 30, 40 percent cut to the platform, is so the platform can take care of those issues for me. Hmm. And platform looks at it like not our issue. We're a secondary producer. You've got to keep the records. We don't care. Right. And that's where MasterCard steps in and goes, well, no, we're going to change this whole thing up. We're going to make sure everybody has the records. Well, in the final analysis, that's not necessarily a bad thing either. I, listen, it's, you know, it, it will keep child abuse material offline. Well, right. Uh, you know, but if you talk to real free speech, and I'm, I'm not a free speech guy, meaning that I believe in free speech, but I'm not a constitutional attorney. Right. I'm not out there fighting these ivory tower lawsuits. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the free speech guys will go, well, this is this will, you know, chill free speech because people won't want to upload their content because they have to give away their IDs. And, you know, and are they correct? Absolutely. They're yeah. correct. It yeah. will chill free speech. But it's a balancing act, right. you know, and that's what the courts do. They, they do this balancing act between a governmental interest and your right to speak freely. And mm-hmm. right now, I think with the attacks that are happening on the industry, with how some of the major websites and platforms have been acting, right. that that is tipping more towards, you know, the government has an interest in keeping kids off of the Internet from being naked. And it's a very hard argument to make against that. Of course, of course. Now, uh, that that leads us very well into the whole OnlyFans fiasco. So we Mm -hmm. we record here in September, and they've eliminated adult content, and now they reinstated it. 
So was yeah. this <laughs> was this just a big publicity stunt, or do you think performers need to find other options? Oh, absolutely, they need to find other options. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this if this was a, pu- a publicity stunt, OnlyFans should fire their PR people because this. <laughs> This was a, a ridiculous publicity stunt. I don't know why they did it. You know, I, I wish I had an inside to OnlyFans. I've got ideas. You know, maybe they used it as a way to renegotiate with their banks. Hmm. Um, you know, when when the bank saw how what the fee what what the pushback was, maybe they were able to go back to the banks and and reduce their rates. I don't know. Could hmm. be. Uh, or maybe they used it just to be able to continue to process. Maybe the bank said, well, you can't have porn. And then they showed them the response and they're like, okay, fine, keep the porn. Mm-hmm. Or, or maybe they're going to s- quietly get rid of porn anyway. Yeah. I mean, they yeah. came out and made the announcement, but that, that doesn't mean that they don't have other ways to sl- to slowly close the porn accounts. Yeah. I mean, sh- I'm sure OnlyFans is looking at Reddit right now and licking their chops. Hmm. Um, I don't know if you saw Reddit. Is, they're trying to do an IPO hmm. and they're trying to get an evaluation of the company for $15 billion. So, so, and, and Reddit is full of porn, yeah. but, and Reddit's going to get the IPO, even though it's full of porn because it's like Twitter, like, okay, there's porn on there, but it's not the majority of what the website is, Correct. you know? And I, and I think that's what was OnlyFans' goal. OnlyFans' goal was to get rid of a, a good amount of the porn, try to go more mainstream, and then to do an IPO for billions and billions of dollars. Yeah. So whatever would have been lost from the revenue generated by adults, it would have been more than made up in the amount of money that the owners would have made off of an IPO. Oh, yeah, definitely. Very well could be the case. So there seems to be a new fans or clips type site starting up every week lately. Kind of reminds me of the days when cams really started to take off. People are yep. contacting my consulting business, wanting to start uh, clip and uh, fan sites. So can all these po- people possibly make it in this space? No, none of them are going to make it in this space. None? None. No, no. I mean, very, because, and th- this is what nobody understands about these sites. And everybody thinks, oh, well, it's easy money. Well, what they forget, what they forget is that the biggest, and I, I, I am the attorney for one of the biggest platforms out there right now, which is AVN Stars. Mm-hmm. So I have, you know, uh, I, I have a, a certain position that I was able to, to see this as it started with AVN stars. And what people don't understand is, is that it's very easy to defraud these platforms Hmm. because there are, uh, you know, there are parties in Russia and Ukraine and other areas of the Eastern Bloc where they trade in illegal uh, acts, uh, illegally gotten credit card numbers. Mm -hmm. And so what they'll do is, you know, somebody will open up a performer account and then somebody will open up a fan account and then they'll use the credit card to run 200, 300, 400, 500, a thousand dollars through the system. Right. Uh, and you know, if, if the, if the owner of the credit card doesn't really know that it's stolen, they can get, you know, several hundred to maybe even a thousand, a thousand or more through the credit card processing. Mm-hmm. And then what, what immediately happens is, is that, because the performers want to get paid out so frequently. Yeah. Okay? Like daily. Right. Daily. So the person who opens up the account, they just go ahead and, 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 and take the money out and put it into a bank account. Right. And so then they, then both the, the fan and both the performer close their accounts on that, on that uh, platform. And then by the time the platform gets noticed that it was a chargeback on a stolen credit card, it could be 30 or 60 days. And those right. people are long gone with the money. I yeah, mean, and they they're so, the, so the platform eats it. <clears throat> and so the platform eats it. How, pre- and so, how prevalent is this, Mike? Extremely. Ooh. Extremely prevalent. And that's what people don't understand is that in order to open up one of these platforms, you have to have a shitload of money sitting in reserves 
to deal with the fraud that you're going to be hit with for the first several months or ye- or up to a year because what it requires you to do right. is have a, a, a very robust fraud department. You right. need to have people sitting on your site 24 hours a day, seven days a week because you have to cover every single um, time zone in the world. Right. And you need to be able to catch these accounts and stop them before they get a, before they open. So, you know, if you, if you have a a situation where, you know, people can self uh, certify their accounts and open them up without somebody checking it out, that's a problem. Hmm. And if you could have people who remove uh, or can create the payment to their bank account without it being approved, that's a problem. Yeah. And so, you know, sites, all these sites that are coming forward, they, I doubt highly if they have the the staff, the money, the investment to have that type of, of robust customer service on the back end right. where, you know, they've got 10, 20, 30 people working 24 hours a day across several time zones that are checking every account that's being made. Because what will end up happening is that, you know, after a while, you'll see patterns you'll see patterns in the way the fraud happens and it, right. it, it will help you fight the fraud. You won't, there, there will still be fraud, but you can bring down your monthly losses a lot. Sure. And, and, and these, and these sites work on such a low overhead. I was going to say that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a, a low profit margin um, because they're only taking 20%. Some are only taking 10% <laughs> and it's like, right. Some are, some are doing hundred percent promos now. Yeah. And that's just ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And that is just absolutely ridiculous because they're getting hit, you know, they're making no money. Plus they're getting hit with fraud and they're just doing that to, to try to stay afloat, uh, you know, more so than anyone else. Right. But yeah, in, in, in a year, there could be a lot of money lost for fraud, you know, and that's what people who are opening up these sites and, and see, and, and that's a thing too, that's, that's, that's sad is that the performers, the content creators, don't realize this. Yes. You know, they're they're going to go join up at whatever site that their friend says to go join up, and they don't do the homework. Right. And they don't talk to people. Mm-hmm. You know, this, to me, this was the same thing back, you know, 15 years ago when girls were flocking to Los Angeles to get into porn. Yeah. They weren't doing their homework on the agents. And yeah. a lot of them were signing up with bad agents. And then once they signed the contract, they were like, oh, shit. I'm stuck and they were calling me to get out. And I'm like, yeah, you got to call me before you sign the contract, not after, uh-huh. you know, exactly. And so the same, so the same thing's going to happen here is that uh, a lot of performers, a lot of content creators are going to sign up with really bad platforms and they're going to get fleeced or they're going to get um, defrauded and the platforms are going to go down and they're going to waste all of that time putting all of that effort into marketing that, that platform and that platform won't exist in six months. You know, you talked about the fraud patterns, you know, a person joins and then another, a model joins and then that person's feeding the model. Um, you would think that that those, those types of patterns could be pretty easily picked up by AI. Yeah. But who's got the money to spend on AI? Yeah, I guess. I guess, you know, yeah. I mean, listen, you know, I, I've got clients that use AI for, you know, um, child abuse material and for other things, but AI, you know, from a programming standpoint is really expensive, Mm. Um, you know, and even if you use a verification company, it's somebody who wants to defraud you is going to get around anything that you put in the way. And really the only way to stop the fraud is would not be acceptable. The only way to stop the fraud would be to tell models, we're not paying you out for 30 days because 30 days is usually enough time to know whether or not a credit card is going to be charged back because of fraud for some other reason. But nobody who, what model is going to sign up or what content creator is going to sign up for a platform that says we're not paying you for 30 days. None of them will. Yeah, because they've been spoiled by, you know, daily and every three days and every week payouts. Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing. OnlyFans is a is is an eight hundred pound gorilla in the room, mm-hmm. and you know they can afford to take on losses that other companies can't even begin to fathom. Yeah, because they just generate so much cash, and that's mm-hmm. what people don't get. like. Oh well, you know, OnlyFans and all of these other companies are equal, and they're not the 
OnlyFans is way above everybody. Oh, of course. Of course. So <laughs> these types of sites are the big thing now. Now, from your insight in the industry, what do you think the next big thing will be? VR. Really? Yep. I mean, to me, VR has kind of lagged. It kind of got started with the with the bang. There's a handful of sites that seem to be doing pretty well with it, but I don't know. I, I mean, it doesn't seem like anybody's really lighting the world on fire. Am I wrong about that? Well, you're going to see somebody light the world on fire pretty soon. Oh, he knows of somebody. Okay. Well, I'm I'm part owner in a company that that's ah, doing ha, that. Ha, ha. Okay, very good, very good. Yeah. What we haven't seen in adult is uh, mainstream VR technology and augmented reality technology. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So I mean, you know, what we see as VR in adult really isn't VR. It's just a a cool way of shooting some video to make it feel like you're, you're, you know, there. Yeah. But when you, when you start talking about real VR and you're talking about uh, motion capture, what's the difference between real VR and what most adult companies do? You ever watch Westworld? No, no. Okay. Well, have you ever looked at some really high end VR games? I have not. No, sorry. Yeah. It's it's hard to describe because what what you can do with mainstream VR and that level of technology is amazing compared okay. to what is being done in adult. Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of times what people are shooting in adult are just POV scenes with two cameras to give a sort of a binocular view of the of the action. Right. But when your VR is coded VR, uh it, it can't be stolen. Hmm. You know, it's, it survives on, a, on its own, um, its own servers and it, it, it enhances and it, it brings to life a level of interaction that you just can't get with somebody shooting like a POV VR scene where, yeah, you, instead of looking at it on a flat screen, you feel like the girl's, but she, she still doesn't feel like she's there because hmm. there's nothing else you're doing with it. And nobody's yes. doing nobody's doing that in adult right now. Not that I'm aware of. Nope. But this project you're working on, will. Yep. Interesting. Got to keep me posted yeah. on that. And I mean, why why can't it why can't it be stolen? Uh, that's not a question for me. But what I've okay. been told is is that it's not it's not like a video. It's 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 mm. not a situation where it's a video that you upload to a website. Mm. It's it's the ability of the headset to interact with the server. Oh, okay. So it can so it basically can't be downloaded. It can only be streamed. I think so, yes. Okay. Again, okay. not the tech guy. Yeah, I'm not the tech guy either. So if you told if you if you gave me the details, I'd probably go, "Huh?" So okay. there you yeah, go. They didn't I'm I'm not a part of the group for my tech skills. I'm part of the group for my legal skills. I kind of figured as much. Well, when yes. it's when it's ready to uh, to try out, I'm uh, I definitely want to be among the first. It sounds exciting. It, it it really is exciting. Like it's it's I've been working with them for six seven years now, and I've watched their technology just you know explode. Mm -hmm. And so you know it's. It's going to be something that the adult industry has never seen before, whether, okay. and you know, it, it comes down to whether or not people have headsets and right. everything that I've read, everything that I've seen over the next, you know, three, four, five, six years, there will be more reasons to have a headset mm -hmm. and that'll be able to make it more accessible for more people. Won't the point of entry be pretty high as far as the equipment to shoot it? I don't think so. I think it'll be in the terms of you know three four hundred dollars in in terms of shooting it. Oh, oh, you shooting it? I thought you meant the headset for no. the fans. As far as shooting, yeah, I don't, I I don't know what that would be. Yeah, how, how long until it's going to be available? That I don't know either. Hmm. Okay, <laughs> okay, I won't I won't ask any more questions. You definitely got my attention. So. Now, Mike, this, this industry's always been under attack, okay? Yes. But it seems like the attacks are coming more frequently and even heavier than before. Does it seem that way to you, or is it more of the same? No, it seems more. Okay. It's always been under attack, like you said. It depends right. where the attacks are coming from. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody likes to use porn to raise money, sure. you know? 
Uh, AIDS Healthcare Foundation did it a couple of years ago with the condoms and porn stuff. And, yep. you know, they were able to raise money from that. And now we've got Nicosi and Exodus Cry. You know, if you go look at the tax filings for, for Nicosi, uh, National Center of Sexual Exploitation, I think is what it stands for. Hmm. If you go look at the tax filings, you know, every year for the last four years, since they've been really attacking the adult industry, you know, their, their contributions that they've taken in have doubled to tripled. Right. So, I mean, you know, it's a, it, it's a good football for them to kick because it brings in more donations. Yeah. And then those donations are funneled to attorneys who drive the litigation against the industry, which, you know, just makes more donations come in. So yeah. it's, it's good business for them. Yeah. Nonprofit, my butt. Well, they're not, I mean, yeah, they're profit. I mean, they're, they're, I think on staff attorney makes 175,000 a year, mm-hmm. their director, or maybe their director makes 175,000. I'm not, you know, I looked at it, but I can't, I didn't memorize sure. it. You didn't memorize but, it. Yeah. But, but overall, you know, this is, this is a reiteration of morality in, in media. And they've been around since 1962. They're, they're not new. It's not like they just popped up out of nowhere. They just renamed themselves. And so, and they used to try to get the government, they used to lobby the government to attack porn. And then the government just has no interest in attacking porn anymore. (laughs) And so they decided to do it themselves through these, you know, uh, sex trafficking litigation cases that they filed. I think they're up to three, four, maybe five even. Which is ludicrous. Yeah. And, you know, what's sad about it is that the FSC is not really providing any uh, any assistance with that. Really? I represent, yeah, I, I represented a small company in one of their litigations. And, you know, the, F, the FSC is silent on this. And I wonder why. Because I don't think it's good publicity for them. Hmm. That's why. Why? Because, they don't want because sex trafficking is is mentioned. Yep. Yep. You know, and that's it's it's not when FSC was formed many, many years ago, the idea was so the companies could join together, donate and create a legal defense fund. Right. And FSC has moved so far away from that. It's ridiculous. Hmm. And now they don't provide any legal defense fund. And, hmm. you know. I'm not sure why people still join the FSC, but they do. But the FSC is not helping out small companies or even medium-sized companies with defense of these cases. Interesting. Very interesting. Now, I see sex workers are now fighting back with some bank protests. Do you you see this doing any good or is it going to backfire? Well, it's not going to do any good. (laughs) I don't know if it's going to backfire. I mean, you know. It's like sitting at a picnic and an ant crawling across your toe. Are you going to like, you know, stomp down on the ant or are you just going to let it crawl across your toe and leave? Um, you know, if they become annoying enough, then yeah, it could cause problems with the banking, uh, with the processors and the banks. It's the last thing that we need in the industry. Right. Uh, but, you know, I, and I said it on, on xbiz.net. I said, you know, the banking industry could turn off adult tomorrow and they wouldn't miss a beat. <laughs> And there's this idea in porn that, oh, they need us. No. Like, no, they don't. American they Express them. left American Express left 21 years ago and never looked back. Yeah, they seem to be doing so, pretty well. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, you know, the 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 amount of e-commerce that happens on a daily basis, you know, they wouldn't even probably notice that adult <laughs> was gone. <laughs> so, well, and that's the problem. I mean, adult adult used to be the big dog, but that's not the case anymore. No, no, no. I mean, who in adult is sending rockets to Mars? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Alec, Hel- Alec Helmy, maybe? I don't know. There isn't anybody rich enough in porn <laughs> to build a spaceship. Yeah. We're not the big dogs. Amazon's the big dog. Of course. I mean, you know, maybe 20 years ago, porn was important to billing, but not anymore. Right. Right. So this is something I have a little bit of trouble understanding. Maybe you have a better take on it. NFTs seem to be all the rage now and they, they seem to be gaining steam in an adult. Is this a trend that you think is going to continue or is it a flash in the pan? I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of clueless when it comes to crypto and NFTs. Yeah. Um, I've got a client that's got a token and, and, you know, 
problem with NFTs is that, you, you know, it has to be something special, I think, and it yeah. has to have, and it has to have a blockchain attached to it. Right. And I don't know how many NFTs in porn have blockchains attached to it because without the blockchain, then you don't have ownership rights. Right. And so, you know, there's another thing I heard about bin finance, but that's not really blockchain. Mm-hmm. So I, I actually just, uh, I, I don't want to call him a client yet, but there's a, 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 a crypto coin that just, um, approach me to help represent them in the adult industry because mm. they want to do crypto with an adult and they want to do uh the nfts and so you know i had to put him in touch with somebody that i know because he knows blockchain and he knows adult and he knows crypto so mm. we just had a discussion about it but Interesting. you know it's there, there there's what less than one percent maybe maybe there's one percent maybe two percent of all transactions in adult have to do with crypto so i mean you know, if in, in, until it reaches mass acceptance, it's it's just a novelty in adult. Well, it'll certainly go up if the credit card companies dump us. <laughs> well, I no, because even then, I don't know if it'll go up because you can buy crypto with credit cards. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, I mean, you know, it's and I, I, I don't think the credit card companies are going to dump us. I, I doubt I don't that. Think, I, doubt I don't that. think that. I, I think the credit card companies will be dumping sites. I think that will happen. Hmm. I think, um, you know, after these regs go into effect, hmm. whether it takes two months, six months, a year, there will be spot checks on companies by the, the banks and the processors. Yep. And if those companies don't have uh, the documents in order the way MasterCard wants, then I and if it's egregious enough, I think that the, the, they're just going to have their building shut off, just yeah. like what happened to Pornhub. Yeah. You know, for if a, you're missing for one, a few days. You know, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. I think I, I think depending on how egregious it is, they just pull the billing, period. Well, they did, but they reinstated it. MasterCard didn't reinstate it for Pornhub. They didn't? I don't think so, no. I they reinstated it for browsers and things like that. Oh, I thought they I thought they got reinstated. I thought I saw, I read an article about that. Um so oh, yeah. so these so these crypto clients are they paying you in crypto? <laughs> no. 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 <laughs> Inquiring I'm, minds need to know. So I I do not accept crypto for payment. <laughs> okay, everyone. You got that. Um so with performers having more control over their content these days, um, do you think there's still a future for membership sites? Um, I think so. You know, it, it, it's tough because my heart is always in membership sites because oh, some too. of my, you know, my earliest clients and still my friends, my, you know, certain clients that I have run those sites, have those sites. Platforms have created a different, um, customer. Mm. And, and, and what happens is when this all comes crashing down, cause it's going to come crashing down, <laughs> you know? When, when guys start to realize that they're not talking to their favorite porn star, <laughs> when they realize that, you know, you know, Susie Big Tits isn't awake at 4 a.m. discussing your problems um, and you're, you know, probably tipping either somebody in her family, her boyfriend, her husband, or, or maybe you're, you're tipping in, uh, a customer service rep working out of a call center. Right. You know, when when Most guys likely. start to realize, yeah, when guys realize that. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Can, can, can you hear that? I can. Yeah, that's our air raid sirens. Do you need to go? <laughs> no, 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 no. No, but it's amazing because here in Rotterdam, yeah. you know, uh, the reason why Rotterdam's all new and it doesn't look like Amsterdam is because the Nazis burnt it to the ground with a firebomb campaign. Oh, lovely. And the, 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 the R dammers never forgot that. And they still do these, you know, air raid tests once a month. I just happen to be, I think it's, I think it's charming. No, go ahead, go ahead with what you were saying. (laughs) And, and so, um, God, what was I saying? Where was I? We were, uh, we were, we were talking about membership sites and still a place for membership sites. And Susie Big Tits talking to a customer service rep somewhere. Yeah, when when these guys realize that they're not talking to their favorite porn star, what are they going to do? Are you they going to realize? They, do you think they're really going to realize that? I do. They have to at How? some point. They have to. How? Um, 
you know, someone's going to do a story about it. There's going to be some angry uh, call center person who gets fired and they're going to call Daily Beast or one of these other ones. And, you know, like I pretended to be Susie Big Tits for four months online. Yeah. And none of the guys knew. I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah. I think someone, you know, a disgruntled employee is going to do it. And then when people Maybe. realize that, you know, when they realize that their favorite porn star isn't sitting around at two o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning talking to them. No, no, don't get me wrong. There are some that do. There are sure. definitely some that do. Yeah. Um, you know, I know my ex used to, you know, spend a tremendous amount of time talking to her fans. Yeah. And so there are still a lot of, of, of a lot of performers, content creators that are honest with their members and mm -hmm. they are on there and they are speaking with them. But right. there are a tremendous amount that are not. Right. And so when that happens, I think it all comes crashing down. And now the tube sites are kind of, you know, neutered because of the MasterCard situation. Mm -hmm. And when people realize that all of these fan sites are, you know, basically, <laughs> you know, what, what I think you and I are old enough to remember are the pictures of really hot girls on phone sex lines. Oh, yeah. And, well, and well, so no, you, wait, wait, you're, are you telling me that wasn't her? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and so, and so guys were like, okay, well, I know she's not the girl in the picture, but she's got a sexy voice. So it's okay. There you go. And, and, and I think guys were okay with that because whoever did the phone sex, you know, they could count on it at least being a woman. Right. Okay. And they could count on that woman having a sexy voice and, and they could, you know, suspend their disbelief that this was not the, or this was the woman in the picture. Right. But when it comes to stuff like OnlyFans, where a lot of the messaging is through text, you could be talking to a guy. Right. You could be talking to the boyfriend. You could be talking to that. You could be talking to a gay guy if well, you're a dude. Look, you and I both know of very large companies that do, uh, what do they call it? Uh, uh, moderation uh, for yes. uh, dating sites. And I'm sure they're doing it for these types of sites too. Yeah. And, and the problem with it is, is that the FTC went after the dating sites and find a bunch of them. I'm waiting for the FTC to go after these types of sites. I'm sure it won't be long. Well, and that's the, and that's the thing though, but do the sites know what's going on? Yeah. But do the sites, do, do the sites care if they get slapped on the wrist by the FTC? I mean, do you think they stop doing it at that point? I, you know, I'm not an FTC lawyer, so I don't know what level the fines are. I've seen... I've seen FTC sites sue dating companies and win for millions. Oh, really? Um, you know, I don't know if that would go up to tens of millions or hundreds of millions on something like an OnlyFans thing. But yeah, I mean, if it's you know, a few million dollars, <laughs> OnlyFans makes that in the morning before right. noon. Right. So it probably wouldn't be a deterrent. But I think what would end up happening is, like I said, guys would go, well, I can't trust this, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or, or you know what? Maybe they're just so desperate that they do. I mean, right. I, I literally just had a fan contact me mm -hmm. and ask me if I knew a certain porn star, and I said, "Why?" Oh, I've had that, I've he, had that happen. <laughs> you know, and he said, "Well, because she, you know, she's trying to get out of porn, but she owes somebody twenty thousand dollars or ten thousand dollars. I forgot Oy. how much." Oy. And. And she's in love with him and she wants to come join him, you know, but she, she needs this money to pay off her pimp. And until he gets paid off, she's in part of sexual servitude. Sounds like I, the, that know, sounds like the bar girls in, uh, in Pattaya. Yeah. <laughs> hey, well, for and for he, lesser amounts of money, of course. And, and, and he showed, and he told me who it was and I know who the porn star is and I know that's not the case. <laughs> and then I said, you know, how do you know it's her? And so he showed me a picture of her uh, passport. I don't, I don't know what her real name is, so I couldn't tell if the real name is fake. But I can tell you that it, it looks real. It mm. absolutely looks real. It looks real to the point of where whoever photoshopped the picture, <laughs> except they used one of her porn pictures for the picture for oh, the passport. No. Oh, no. <laughs> She's like got all makeup done and everything. And I'm like, so this is like, nuts. so this is probably like a Nigerian scammer, right? Yeah, exactly. Holy so now he's like, shit. can you ask her? And I'm like, yeah, I'll ask her. I, but I can guarantee you that that's not her. Don't send any money. <laughs> and so, yeah, there's, you know, there are, and I, I, there's a bunch of OnlyFans content creators that I represent 
who have these these accounts that are out there scamming guys right. and and guys believe it yeah i mean guys believe it mm. and so that's the sad part guys are dumb they're just dumb um yes yes we are <laughs> we all we were, of a sudden see, we were we born see that way we were born that yeah. way unless unless you've been an adult as long as we have then you get a little more streetwise well we call it the pink cloud <laughs> Did anybody ever tell you that? No, I haven't heard that. When I first got into porn, uh, I don't know, was 18 years ago. I remember I started dating a girl after my first marriage ended and I was crazy about her. And Mm -hmm. I represented one of the agents in the industry at the time. And he came up to me. He's like, dude, don't get lost in the pink cloud. I said, what? He's like, yep, this is what happens when, you know, you start dating porn stars and you start start dating sex workers. You get into this pink cloud mentality where mm-hmm. like you're just, you're just in a fog. Yep. And he was right. I was in a total fog. So yeah. I can see how these guys get into these pink clouds where, you know, they believe that this porn star or this content creator or this performer needs the money to save them from this guy that, you know, owns them. Or, their, or their or their mother needs, needs an operation or whatever. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> well, Michael, it's really been a blast as always. And I, uh, once again, I hope we, uh, we get a chance to do part three soon. Uh, I'd like to thank you for being our guest today once again on Adult Site Broker Talk. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you for having me back. Let me know when you want me for number three. You got it. My broker tip today is part seven of what to do to make your site more valuable for when you decide to sell it later. Let's talk about some of the factors that influence the sale price of a website. Number one is always profit. It will be a multiple of the profit, and that multiple is based on whether the profit is trending up or down and how fast it's trending up or down. I've seen valuations as much as five times, although that's very rare. Normally, it's in the two and a half to four times area. I've also seen valuations of one time if the profit is taking a nosedive. If a site hasn't been monetized, then it's all about the amount and the quality of the traffic. If a sale is based on traffic, it will be a multiple of what the traffic would sell for on the open market. What are the sources of traffic? Direct traffic, search engine traffic, and review traffic are the most valuable. Tube traffic is the least valuable. Is the traffic reliable and sustainable? What is the traffic history? In a rare case, the valuation will be based upon revenue. The same factors apply to that as to profit, and the valuations will, of course, be lower than those of profits. How old is the website? Is the domain a .com or something else? .com is still king. What is its Alexa rating? How many inbound links are there? How much staff does it take to run the site? How many email addresses do you have? In the case of a dating site, this is very important. Another factor can be the reverse engineering cost. How much would it cost to build a site from scratch and drive the same amount and quality of traffic to it, and how much time would be involved? What's the lifetime value of a customer on the site? Next week, how to buy a website. And... Next week, we'll be speaking with Maverick UK producer, Terry Stevens. And that's it for this week's Adult Site Broker Talk. I'd once again like to thank my guest, Michael Fatterosi. Talk to you again next week on Adult Site Broker Talk. I'm Bruce Friedman.